All God's people said, Amen. <clears throat> Amen. I love going to hear the, the big 150 person choirs or hearing some of these new artists sing some of these powerful, powerful songs, but I'd just as much rather hear an old saint of God singing about their Lord and their city that they're going to as anything else I know. It's all good. Somebody say Amen. Speaking of it's all good, we're going to be in God's Word tonight. And the seniors who got Bibles this morning, if they read their note, they'll know what chapter, verse we're in this this evening. Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 24. We'll be turning there with us tonight. <clears throat> Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 24. I'm preaching... As Brother Dan asked me last week, he texted me while we were out on our camping trip, and he said, can you pencil in Sunday night, uh, the 22nd? And what he didn't realize is what he's just asked me to preach on graduation Sunday, so I was very, very excited, and I always am, and always grateful for the opportunity to preach. But it's not this message is not just for our graduates this evening. This message is for the church, as any message is coming from the Word of God. So as we talk about this subject this morning, it's been over and over, and uh, at different churches all around, they're all honoring their graduates this Sunday. Graduation is a time of transition. It's a time of newness. It's a time of change. How many of you remember uh, when we graduated high school, or when we graduated college, or when we graduated to the next step? of life. It's a very, uh, it can be a very scary time. There's a lot of unknowns out there. There's a lot of times where you really don't know what's going to happen next. And graduates, you've probably been asked the question uh, that drove me crazy when I was your age. I couldn't stand being asked it. It was just like over and over. Every person I talked to, they say, oh, you're graduating. And the question is, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? And as a graduate, I want to tell you, first of all, it's okay to say, I don't know. Okay? That's a perfectly fine answer. Because I'd rather you say, I don't know, than go get $100,000 in debt in student loans and then say, I don't want to go to college. You know, does that make sense? Somebody out there paying student loan debt say, amen. Okay? I got my hand up. All right? So, when you got... When you have this question, what are you going to do next? It begins to start leading you down paths mentally, and you start asking yourself that question, what am I going to do next? And in our text tonight, we're going to see Jesus ask them a different question, and it's going to be the same question that I'm going to ask you, and that is not what are you going to do next, but what are you going to do first? Because what you do first will always be what you do next. All right. What are you going to do first? Church, stand with me as we read in Matthew chapter number 6 and verse 24. What are you going to do first? Matthew chapter number 6 and verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, Imagine this was your graduation advice, young people. Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor yet your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and they toil, not neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, 
O ye of little faith. Therefore, take no thought, he says it again, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. What are you going to do first, young people? Verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day of evil thereof. Tonight I want to ask you this question. As a Christian, as a graduate, all the same, what are you going to do first? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for this sermon, this Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached to those multitudes. God, I pray that we take this section tonight. We apply it to our lives. We apply it to our hearts. No matter if we're graduating next week or we've been graduated for half a century, Lord, I pray and I ask that we apply your word to our lives tonight. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Jesus had just finished his 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness being tempted of Satan and he comes out swinging. He comes out with uh, messages and miracles and he comes out and he began to gather a multitude of believers that had begun to follow him. And we learn in chapter number 5 uh, and your homework this week, teenagers, church, your homework this week is to go read the Sermon on the Mount. Then when you get done reading the Sermon on the Mount, read it again and read it again and read it again because in this sermon, it is one of the greatest sermons ever preached and we would see so many churches truths here that if we get bogged down with the things of today, if we get bogged down with jobs, if we get bogged down with work, if we get bogged down with religion, if we get bogged down with this, that, or the other, we can lose some of the very most fundamental truths of our Christian faith that are outlined here in the Sermon on the Mountain. Young people, that's Matthew chapter number 5 through chapter number 7 in its entirety is the greatest sermon ever preached. And we're going to take a little excerpt out of the middle here that we just read in chapter number 6 and we're going to make a practical, you know, uh, a practical sermon to hopefully that we can all take from and apply and see and see to answer that question, what are you going to do First, because we've all been asked that question, what are you going to do next in the face of a graduation? What are you going to do next in the face of uh, taking on a new job? What are you going to do next in the face of getting married? What are you going to do next in the face of having a baby? What are you going to do next in the face of uh, getting married or having a baby or starting a new career or losing your job or going through a tragedy? What are you going to do next? And I would pose tonight that what you do first is what you will do next. And Jesus here has a group of people that are sitting exactly where you're sitting, young people. They had began to follow and experience this Jesus. They had began to hear messages that were being preached to them that they had never heard anything like this before. They had never heard such love and compassion come out of a rabbi, come out of a preacher, come out of a Jewish teacher before. And here they are hearing Jesus. They're seeing what Jesus is doing. And they're following Him and they're earnestly wanting to go after Him and they're earnestly wanting to be a good, godly person and follow after this teacher. They didn't know they would be called Christians yet. They didn't know what was around the corner. They didn't know what was in store for Jesus. All they wanted to do is follow this man and get as close to this man as they possibly could. But they had some of the same reservations you and I do. What am I going to eat? 
What am I going to wear? If I follow this guy around all the time, listening to him, who's going to take care of my family? Who's going to take care of my kids? What am I going to do for a job? How am I going to provide for myself? And they were sitting right there on that hillside in the same spots you guys are sitting because the world has put this pressure on you that as an 18-year-old, you need to know exactly what you're going to do for the rest of your life. You need to be willing to commit to it. You need to be willing to go and chase it and go after it. And if it turns out that is that's not actually what you wanted to do, well, you've now you've wasted too much time. The world's way is to push you into this direction or push you into that direction and ask you that question over and over and over again. What are you going to do next rather than what are you going to do first? Jesus has these people that have gathered around him and he tells them exactly where their priorities should be. And that's what we're going to look at tonight in chapter number six. And we've talked about your homework this week is to read this sermon in its entirety so you can look at it in context. But tonight I want to go into three practical things that you can apply, graduates. You can apply, church, and say, hey, what am I doing first? What am I doing first? Number one, first, follow. Look at verse 25 verse through 27. Therefore I say to you, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor what your body, what you shall put on, is not life more than meat, and the body more than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor they gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. And see, these people had begun to follow Jesus Christ, and they started to ask the question, if all we're going to do is follow Him, if that's our sincerest motive, how are we going to eat? How are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to take care of my family? How are we going to take care of my kids? You're blessed as a graduate. You don't have a whole lot of responsibility yet. But I want to submit to the church this morning that even though they're a graduate and they may not have a bill yet, they may not have a a rent yet, they may not have a, a mortgage yet, they may not have utilities to pay, some of the things that they're facing are harder than anything we ever had to face. Some of the uh, temptations and some of the social cues and some of the things that they're up against in this world that they're going out into. If you think back, did you ever have to worry and going and paying $5 a gallon for gasoline to get to work? Did you ever have to worry about whether you were going to have a job or not because of where you went to church or where, where you did this or where you did that? Did you ever have to worry about things that people said about you on social media impacting what was going to happen in real life, things in the pretend world affecting what was going to happen in the real world. Some of these young people are going out into a world and they're asking this question, how in the world am I going to provide? How in the world am I going to follow Christ and this lost and dying, crazy, messed up world? And Jesus gives it to him here and he says, don't think about it. Huh? He said, take no thought for your life. Jesus said, If any man wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. First, follow. Follow. Follow who? Number one, follow your father. Look at verse 26 again. Jesus said it like this. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Some of you have been blessed with a godly, earthly father, but we have all been blessed with a God, a, a heavenly father, God himself, who loves and wishes the best for us. Following him is the step that these people had already taken. And as far as our graduates we honored this morning, many of them have already taken that step and they said, we want to be a Christian. Many of us sitting in these pews as the support system for those graduates, we say we follow God, we are seeking him, but are we seeking him and following him? First, 
You see this thing of first we're going to look at tonight. Are we doing that first? Are we following the teacher? Are we following the preacher? Are we following the religion? Are we following following our father? Are we following God first? You see, following your father is something that a lot of us, we, we lose track of real quick. We wake up in the morning, we're going to follow God, we're going to serve God, we're going to do things His way. But then somebody says, hey, come over here and try this out. And before you know it, we're off the deep end doing something. We go, how in the world did we end up here? As a graduate, you're going to be tempted to go this direction or go this direction or be offered this paycheck or be offered... If it takes you away from following your father, it may not be God's will for your life. We all know you can follow your father in in certain careers and you can follow your father. You can be a good Christian and be a bus driver. You can be a good Christian and be a CEO. You can be a good Christian and be a good... (coughs) Fill in the blank here. Pick any job you want to. But if it's not God's will, it will not bring you closer to your father. It has to be following Him. God needs people to work at Starbucks. He really does, okay? God needs people to work at Chick-fil-A. God needs people to work at Walmart. God needs people to work in the law firms. God needs people to work in the courtrooms. God needs people to work in the factories. God needs people to work in the trades. Somebody needs to be the mechanic. Somebody needs the doctor. Somebody's got to do this. And God needs His people there. But many times we get caught up into doing what we want to do rather than following where He wants us to go. Because... We don't do it first. We don't follow God first. We put Him somewhere in the middle or somewhere down the totem pole on where our priorities are. Following your Father. Following someone godly. A lot of us, my age, especially and younger, we struggle with just trying to follow God all by ourselves. So God laid out this thing called biblical discipleship where He could place someone in my life, someone in your life, that lives godly and they follow God And they've been following God for 10, 20, 30 years. And they've learned some things along the way. And they've made some mistakes along the way. And they've done some things right along the way. And God allows us to have fellowship with believers that we can follow if they're following God. Are you following somebody... Who follows God? Do you have somebody that mentors you? It may be your pastor. It may be a deacon. It may be somebody you know or just respect or look up to. As a Christian, whether you're a graduate or whether you've been a Christian for 30, 40 years, are you following someone who follows God? Now, we all know and we all understand we need to follow God first. But we all do need a biblical, spiritual role model in our lives because what we're tempted to do is instead of having a biblical, spiritual role model, we're we're tempted to take them out of the picture and follow after a celebrity, follow after an actor, follow after a singer, follow after a popular or a politician, or follow after this person or that person, because that's who we're placing on the pedestal as our role model. But if you have a good, biblical, Christian role model that you look up to and you follow, the Christianity in their life, the Jesus in their life, won't leave any room for... A Tom Brady or a Michael Jordan or a LeBron James or a, if you're following a good Christian model, the Jesus in their life won't leave any room for those folks. Who are you following? Who are you following? Following God is one. Are you following a Christian role model? Is your role model an athlete, a celebrity, a TV show actor, somebody here or there? Or is it somebody godly? Some of us been saved 20, 30 years and we struggle so much and we have such a hard time staying pure and staying right and staying in church. Are you following anybody? 
Have you gone to somebody and said, I just need somebody to pray for me? I need a spiritual role model. God's blessed me and given me dozens and dozens and dozens. But the difference is I could have said no to every single one of them and been that stubborn young person and said, I'm going to go do this my way or I'm going to go do this my way. I'm going to go figure it out on my own. But he blessed me with thumping me over the head enough times early on to say, you need to listen to the brother Franks and you need to listen to your dad. You need to listen to your uncles. You need to listen to your grandpa. You need to listen to these men that I've placed in your life. You need to listen to somebody. You need to follow their example. Following somebody who follows God. And this thing of following first, follow your father, follow somebody godly. But then also acknowledge someone is following you. Or at least they should be. Paul said it like this, the same things that you've heard of me, commit thou to faithful men that shall be able to teach others also. You see, Christianity, the gospel, was never meant to stop with you. We think that sometimes. We think that we got, the, we got the good news, we received it, and then we possess it and we sit there and we hold it till we die. A lot of us think that the Bible was God's gift to us, not God's gift to man, mankind. And we, we've got biblical scholars and churches all over this country that know the back Bible cover to cover, up ways, down ways. They can quote more scripture. They know what the Hebrew means, the Greek means, the Aramaic means. They know where every comma is, where every semicolon is. But if they ever told anybody about it, they're their own little biblical scholar because they're not discipling anybody else. Graduates, even at your age, you ought to be following somebody godly. But understanding that there's some young ladies right underneath you. There's some young men right underneath you saying, hey, I want to be just like a Kenneth. I want to be just like Rachel. I want to be just like Abby. I want to be just like Alex. God help them. I want to be just like, I, I, I want to be just like them. I want to be just like them. I want to lift the weights they can lift. I want to, I want to go, I want to sing like she can sing. I want to do this. I want to do that. They're following after you. Point them to who you're following. Because we're very, very tempted into letting that feed our egos and feed our prides and feed our flesh rather than saying, no, 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 darling, I, you can follow me. I will lead you. I will disciple you. I will show you. But you need to understand this ain't got nothing to do with me. This ain't got nothing to do with my abilities. This ain't got nothing to do with anything I've done. This is all J-E-S-U-S. That's it. Are you following him? Are you following somebody who follows him? Are you allowing somebody to follow you? And teach them, show them, and mold them. What are you going to do first? First, follow. Follow. You'll never lead until you can learn to follow. You never will. And this last thing of discipleship, you want to know how you find a good leader? How you can tell 400 miles away whether they're a good leader or not? A good Christian biblical leader? Just look behind them. Is anybody following them? If no one's following them, they must not be a good leader. Pretty logical, isn't it? A lot of times we lift people up and we put them on pedestals, we put them in positions, and we think, wow, what a great leader. But they're not, and, and they're, they're godly, they live right, they know their Bibles, they're, they're scriptural, they keep their home, they're great men or women of God, but they never pour anything into anybody else because it all stopped with them. We have a generation that's coming up underneath us that if we don't pour into them, you know who will? CNN, Fox News, Facebook, Twitter. They'll pour into them. 
They'll make millions of dollars pouring into them. If the church doesn't pour into them, I guarantee you there will be a void there that will be filled. The scholastic system, the public school system, the university system, they'll pour into them. They will. Gladly, happily. They'll reap the rewards from it. And then we'll sit there and go, what in the world happened to those kids? Did we pour into them? Or do we leave a void there? Say, good luck. What are you going to do next? Good luck. See ya. We shouldn't be waving bye to any of them. We should be bringing them in. When when, When I get rid of them and I punt them out of the youth group when school starts back, I'm keeping them for the summer. Okay? They've all been worried sick. Are you in an outlet, is it? I'm keeping them for the summer. But when school starts back and they're no longer technically in that high school grade and I punt them out of the youth group, where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? We may not have a college class by then. By God, we need one. But we may not have one by then. But is anybody going to say, hey, darling, come to Sunday school with me? Hey, young man, you come to Sunday school with me. I'm going to disciple you. Just a thought. First, follow. This thing of following. Secondly, first, fellowship. Look at verses 33. Yep, 33 and 34. No, I got that wrote down wrong. 30. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast to the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Therefore, he's reaffirming the same point he made in the first three verses. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Notice he makes a distinction there. He hasn't even finished, he hasn't even you know, got to the point where he's telling people about the church yet, and he's telling people about what he's come to do and what he's come, but he's already starting to begin separating here because when he first came, he came into his own, and he's starting to separate the Jew from the Gentile, and he's saying, these things are what the Gentiles seek. And I'm talking to you, Jewish people, and you guys are supposed to be looking for me. You guys are supposed to be watching for the Messiah. For after these things to the Gentiles seek... For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. First, follow. But secondly, fellowship. Fellowship with who? Fellowship with God. What are you going to do next? What are you going to do first? Do you wake up in the morning thanking Him that you got to wake up that morning? That's fellowshipping. That's fellowshipping. God provides for those lilies and for those sparrows and for those things that are in the fields and nature and all of creation because His Spirit fellowships with them, but not like He fellowships with us. You see, because we were created triune just like He is. We were created with a body, soul, and spirit. A body to fellowship with the world around us. A a spirit to fellowship with our God, our Creator. And a soul to go between our body and our spirit and help us to interpret it. You see, God wishes and always has wished for that relationship with us. And God provides for us. And He instructs us through His Spirit. But do you fellowship with Him? Do you fellowship with Him? We love to fellowship here at Anchor of Hope. We do. And we have a good time and we've got great people. But if all those people come together fellowship after fellowship and they're not individually fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, we're kind of missing the point. There's a lot of of times I get real tired of doing things without the Holy Ghost. Of doing things without the Holy Spirit. 
with doing things. And I'm not talking about, you know, charismatic nonsense. I'm talking about day by day walking and talking with God. You see, that fellowship, young people, is the fellowship nobody can take away from you. It's the fellowship that when everybody else walks out, he's still right there. It's the fellowship that when the boss says you're fired or when the, uh, the, the tragedy happens, the sickness comes, the storms rage, that's the fellowship. You can go, I'm fine. I've got Jesus. A lot of us don't realize it until we learn it the hard way that when Jesus is all we have, that's when we realize that he's all we need. But we graduate and we go into these next stages of life and we go, what am I going to do next? What am I going to get next? What am I going to chase? Instead of realize, I've already got it. I've already won. I'm already on the winning side. I fellowship with the Holy Spirit of God. He provides through His Spirit. He provides through His Word. The Christian who reads their Bible is typically the wisest person in any of the rooms we have around in 2022. I didn't say the Christian's the wisest person in any of the rooms. A Satan can take a Christian and chew him up and spit him out, but a Christian who reads their Bible and can say, uh uh-uh, uh, it's written. Uh uh-uh, uh, it's written. Not today, Satan, because it's written. I've read it. I know the end of the book. I know you lose. That's when you become dangerous, young people. That Bible stays on your nightstand. That Bible stays in the trunk of your car. Guilty here. I'm preaching to myself too. You'll get chewed up, spit out, washed over again. Until we realize that first we need to read our Bibles... We're not going to get to the seconds and the thirds and the fourths and the fifth. We're not going to get to those other priorities and those other. Finding God's will for your life. It's here. Brother Frank says basic instructions before leaving earth. B-I-B-L-E. First, fellowship with through his spirit and through his word. Memorization is key. It's great. But Jesus gave us a cool promise. He said, and I, when I saw this, I went, hot dog. Because he was talking to his disciples in the book of John. And he says, where I go and when I go, I'm going to send a comforter to you. And he's going to call all things that you've heard of me into remembrance. So that means once you've read it, once it's in there, okay, it's in there. As a child of God, once you've read it, once it's in there, you may not be able to quote it verbatim. And we should memorize and we should practice and we should be able to get better at it. But guess what? The Holy Spirit, Jesus made a promise that when he sends the comforter, when he sends the Holy Spirit, once you read it, once you understand it, once you study your Bible, it's there. And when you need it, he'll bring it. He'll put it there. He'll bring it back to your mind. He'll bring it back into your words. He'll give you those words. He'll give you those promises. He'll give you those comforts. He'll, he'll do things that you would never even imagine simply because you read your Bible. So many Christians are going to get to heaven by the skin of their teeth. And only then are they going to realize how great the God is that, they've, that saved them. Because they never read their Bible while they were here. And they could have had a whole lot better time down here. Because they would have known a whole lot more about the Jesus that saved them. It's not, it's not my loss. It'll be their loss. Read your Bibles first. First. Before you go starting to try to do this, do that, read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. God provides through His Spirit, through His Word, and through His church. Look around. Okay? You're not by yourself. Yeah, they may have a little few more commas. Okay? 
in their generational lineage. They may, they may not be right there and they may not understand how to use your iPhone. They may not understand what's going on. They may not grasp it. But you know what? You've got a church around you that, that has experienced some things and does know some things. And guess what? This is just the outer crust top layer because what you're going to realize and what a lot of us do realize, and maybe you're in here tonight, you don't realize it, that the church of the living God is a whole lot bigger than 2613 Lakeview Drive, 30741. It's a whole lot bigger all right, than these four and no more that we see around us. It's a whole lot. You're going to meet Christians. You're going to meet people that God puts in your path that are part of your family, that are your brother, your sister. They're at your darkest hour. They're at your moment of need that you've ne- never met before. Why? Because they're part of the family of God. God provides through His Spirit. Yes, He provides through His Word, but He provides through His local New Testament church. Not an organization, but an organism. The body, the bride of Jesus Christ is living and breathing today and the farther they persecute it the farther they push it the more pressure they put on it the brighter it shines first fellowship don't push your church away yeah there may be one or two that grind your gears get on your nerves but God gave you that church he gave you that family to be your family when there's nobody else that wants to be your family he gave you that little lady to set you straight when nobody else could set you straight. He gave you that wise man of God to thump you over the head, but nobody else could thump you over the head. He gave you that family. Don't push it away. Don't abandon it. Fellowship with it. Learn it. Love it. Lastly, follow, fellowship, find. Look at verse 33. But seek ye first. Seek. He's talking to this crowd here in the Sermon on the Mount. He's telling them to look farther this is Jesus, okay? If Jesus can say this, we, 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 we got some work to do. Jesus is sitting in front of them. The answer, okay? King of kings, Lord of lords, God in the flesh. But he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. He's saying, look through me, but look past me. Look at eternity. Because he was just going to be there in the flesh for 33 and a half years. Even Jesus told them not to, don't get so caught up in me here right now. Get caught up in what I'm working on. Get caught up in what I'm going to build. I'm not here building a building. I'm not here building this. I'm, I'm here building a church that is eternal. Look past me sitting on top of this grass hill. Look out into your eternity and look for that. Seek that. Young people, it starts by knowing who you are. Okay? Let me give you the short answer. You're a sinner, just like me, just like everyone in here that's ever been born of Adam. We're sinners by birth and by choice. And we have a decision to make of where we're going to spend our eternity. Many of you have professed that you've made that, to be a, you've made that to be a Christian profession. But find yourself. So many times we get so caught up in trying to be like everybody else that we don't know who we are. You're a sinner. And then once you find Jesus... You're a child of the king. You're an overcomer. You're somebody that has overcome the world because you've got him living inside of you. First, find out who you are in the eyes of God. And once you accept his free gift of salvation, know that you are his child. Find your king. 
Pursue being like your Jesus. He isn't calling you to be more like Pastor Bryce. He isn't calling you to be more like Pastor Dan. He isn't calling you to be more like Brother Frank or Brother Mike or Brother Jim. He's not calling you to be more like Miss Joy. Praise God, we need more people like them. But he's not calling you to be like them. He's calling you to be like Jesus. He's calling you to be like him. Be more like him. Pursue being like him. Don't go cold and complacent. Find your purpose. Let me give you another short answer. Your purpose is to glorify your creator. It's to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. And some of you are going to know where this quote came from. It's from a kid's movie. But a guy in the kid's movie, he looked at another guy who was trying to do something and he had a hard time. And he says, I don't want to misquote it because it's a good one. If you never do more than you can do, you'll never be more than you are right now. If you never do more than you can do, then you'll never be more than you are right now. We have so many Christians that have memorized those two words, I can't. And that's, that's what defines them now. I can't. We need some help people do that. Oh, I can't. We need help over here. Well, I can't. We need help. I can't. If you never do something you can't do, that's where you'll stay. So never have the attitude, graduate. Never have the attitude, Christian. I can't. Because Jesus said, with me, some things are possible. What did he say, church? For with God, all things are possible. So the word can't shouldn't even be in your vocabulary. But we've let the devil just slip it right in there. And we wonder why the world's going to hell in a handbasket because we've got a bunch of Christians going, I can't. I've got this excuse, that excuse. Some of the most fervent servants of the Lord I've ever seen are the ones that have every excuse to say no. But they don't. Because they serve the one who said yes to them. First follow, first fellowship, first find. What are you going to do first, young people? What are you going to do first, church? What you do first is what you'll do next. As Brother Mike comes to...